1: Wow, How encouraging it is to be back on the campus of Southeastern. I so appreciate your president. He has become a great friend of mine. Uh, He is a prayer warrior when he was in China and our grandson was going through all of the health challenges that he was going through. I do not think your president missed a day sending me a text just reminding me that he was praying for us, uh, for our daughter and son-in-law, Adam, and for our grandson, Case. And I, I, I do not have uh, the vocabulary nor the time to tell you how much that meant to me. Most of us as pastors do not have a pastor, and your president has been a pastor to this pastor. So, Danny, thank you for the way you have loved our family. You don't know me, I, I don't know you, well, except for Ryan and Bethany and uh, Kirsten, I'm not sure if you're in here still awake. And uh, I, I know a couple of our other students couldn't be here, but we have established a great relationship with Southeastern over the years. But I'd like to establish a point of reference for you as we get started thinking from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Every one of us in this room who is a follower of Jesus Christ is forgiven. I I think you would uh, agree with me on that on the basis of the gospel, on the basis of what we read in the New Testament uh, by the power of the cross. You and I, we are forgiven. So if we can start with that as our number one reference point, I think we can make this journey together today about forgiveness in a very biblical and I think a very beneficial way. Something I believe about forgiveness, one of the hardest things that Jesus asks you and me to do is forgive. When it comes to forgiveness, that's something that I want from other people in all of my relationships. But if I'm honest with you, it's something I don't always want to give to other people in relationships. Listen to a number of podcasts. I would encourage you to do that over your years as a a minister, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to always be in that mode of learning. I think as soon as you stop learning, you are disqualified from preaching and teaching. I was listening to a message from Dave Stone a number of years back on forgiveness. And Dave Stone said something in that message that just really struck a chord in my heart. Listen to what he said. I have a good memory of how others have hurt and offended me. But my memory isn't so good when it comes to how I have hurt and offended others. That unnerved me because I realized, you know, God doesn't love me and forgive me. God didn't redeem me because I deserve to be loved or forgiven or redeemed. God loves me. He loves you. He loves this crazy culture that we live in because God is love. And the amazing thing about love is love loves to love. And I'm thankful that I'm loved by God regardless of my performance. But I got to make sure that in my life and in your life, we can get what we understand about God, what we read in his word about love and forgiveness and redemption Out of this room, off of this campus, into this culture, in all of our relationships. And that is not an easy thing to do. So that's what I want to think with you about this morning just a little bit. How do I get love and forgiveness, grace and redemption out of my heart, from my mouth, into all of my relationships? When I preach and teach, I always preach and teach from the perspective that the message is for one person so if you don't get anything out of our time together this morning the message wasn't for you but if you'll keep coming to chapel your turn will come I can promise you that how can I biblically love how can I biblically practice forgiveness And if that's something that you are wrestling with today, thank God that you are here. Don't let that thought surface that, man, I wish I had skipped today. Thank God that he has you here. Let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do in your life. And it's obvious to you and certainly obvious to me, I am not the Holy Spirit. But I do believe the Holy Spirit has a word for every one of us, even though the message is just for one person. Ephesians 4, 32. The Apostle Paul writes, as the Spirit moves his heart and mind, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. When you read Ephesians 4, you realize it's kind of crouched in some terms of Make sure that you're living your life. You are walking in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And then Paul starts talking about our relationships with people in the culture. And and when he moves into chapter five, he encourages us to to imitate God. He encourages us to love other people well. So how, how, how can I do that? Make sure that I'm acting toward others the way God has acted toward me we've already agreed upon, we've established that we are forgiven as followers of Jesus Christ. Then what keeps us, what keeps me, you, from actually practicing forgiveness in the relationships that we have with other people? I would say first and foremost that Satan does. I I know you're at seminary, and I don't know how often Dr. Aiken pastors, preachers stand here and talk about our adversary, the devil, but I trust you know we do have an adversary and, and that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are in ministry and preparing for ministry and missions and that you have a role in teaching on this campus, uh, you, you are a target. I wear a target, I remind our staff of that all the time. I remind our leaders at Spotswood all the time, there is a target because we have an adversary. And one of the things that I've learned after almost 30 years in pastoral ministry, our adversary is extremely patient. So what keeps us from forgiving, practicing forgiveness, living the fact that we are loved and we are redeemed by the grace of God we listen to the lies of our adversary I'd love to list all of the lies that we listen to but for the sake of our discussion within the context of practicing biblical forgiveness let me just surface two of them this morning you've heard this you might have even said this to other people Without realizing the implication of what you're saying, the fact that is a lie of the adversary. Time heals all wounds. You ever heard that? That's a lie. That is absolutely a lie from hell itself. Time doesn't heal all wounds. There are people in this room, and most of us know people, who can give a minute-by-minute account of something that happened years ago, and then I have a clue what they have for breakfast this morning but they're hanging on to some hurt that happened instead of practicing biblical forgiveness in their relationships. Time does not heal your wounds, but it does take time to become bitter. And what I've seen in life in ministry, our adversary knows that bitterness feasts on time. And the only antidote to bitterness is forgiveness. Time heals all wounds. That, that, that's a lie. Second like lie that we listen to and, and sometimes we even use it in conversation. Someone will ask you, hey, how you doing? And our answer is what? I'm fine. That's a lie. None of us are fine, I don't wanna be fine because that actually stands for frustrated, irrational, neurotic, and emotional. So if you're fine, we know all we need to know about you. A lot of times we give that answer to people because we don't wanna deal with the emotional or the physical or, or the psychological things that we're carrying around with us in our lives. But I know this, and it's a, a privilege. I've been on vacation over the last few weeks, and I've been able to just kind of redeem some time with my bride. It's great to have Judy here. You know, she knows me so well. She'll ask, "Are you okay?" And, and I know I can't give her, "Oh, I'm fine." As an answer, because she lives with me. So when Judy asks me, "Are you okay?" I I won't use that lie. I won't listen to that lie of the adversary because I know God is using her to kind of move me to something in my life that I need to deal with biblically. Whenever one of my friends, and I've got to, for for those of us who are pastors, those of us who are in ministry and mission, you you need friends. And, And the challenge for some of us as pastors is we don't let our guard down long enough to get close to people. In reality, over the course of your life, you're only gonna have two or three close friends. Thank God that he puts people in your life that prevent you from listening to the lies of the adversary so that when they look you in the eye and say, hey, how are you? Are you okay? They will not let you get by with that lie. Oh, I'm fine because they care about you. They wanna encourage you and walk through the hurt with you because they know given time, That hurt in your life will become bitterness. Love to give you more and more lies we listen to, but that's really not where I want to invest my time this morning. And since we have an adversary who wants us to listen to those lies, remember the adversary will use what Jesus has already canceled to keep you and me from practicing biblical forgiveness in all of our relationships. So let me talk just a second about some biblical truths that I've learned as it relates to forgiveness. Jesus talked about forgiveness over 50 times in the gospels. Some of his miracles of healing were tied to forgiveness. Remember the story of the four guys that brought their paralytic friend to Jesus, and and, and Jesus saw their fate, that's interesting, don't have time to unpack that this morning, and and he said to that man, your sins are forgiven, take up your pallet, go home. And the religious people said, who does does this guy think he is? You, You can't forgive sins, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he raised the question, what's the harder of the two, to say your sins are forgiven? Or to roll up your bed and walk home, but so that you would know the Son of Man has key, the power to forgive sin. And I'm so thankful for the power of Jesus Christ to forgive sin. We just sang the joy and freedom that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at that man and said, roll up your pallet and go home. You see, when we're set free from the pain of sin, he sent us to the people that we love the most. He said, go home. Care for your family the way you should care for your family. Luke 15, we've all heard some and probably preached sermons about the prodigal son. Luke 15 is a whole lot more about the love of a father than it is about a son who has become a prodigal. It's amazing how much Jesus has to say about forgiveness. I'm not going to give you some how-to formula today or tell you do these things and it'll all work out, but I am going to make you a promise. If you're in ministry, if you are a pastor or you are preparing to be a pastor, if you work with students, if you lead worship, if you're giving your life to missions, if you are a professor or administrator here at Southeastern, if you are married, if you are single, if you are alive and breathing and in this room, You're going to deal with some hurt in life and ministry, and you will face hurting people. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, I stand before people who are hurting wondering, is there any help? And there is no help and no hope any more amazing than Jesus. So I want to model my life and I want to encourage you to model your life after the life of Jesus who is full of grace and truth. Let's, let's lead hurting people to Jesus. Three quick things about forgiveness. Number one, you know this, forgiveness starts in my heart. That's why Paul writes, we need to be tender hearted. Forgiveness comes from deep down inside somewhere. I've learned this in ministry. God does his best work in hidden places. Bitter people are always looking for opportunities to get even, forgiven people and we agreed as followers of Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Forgiven people are always looking to forgive. That's how we get forgiveness and love and redemption out of here, off this campus, into all of our relationships. It's something that we look for. And when we forgive, we know we close the door to bitterness. Bitterness cannot put down roots in a tender heart. But if you live in a perpetual state of animosity, you'll develop a hard heart. And bitterness finds a fertile soil to put down its roots in a hard heart. And I know all of us, all of us have stories of hurt in our lives. But there is nothing... Too big for Jesus. Forgiveness, it it, it starts in our heart. Forgiveness is something that sets the person who hurt me free. You've heard this. Unforgiveness is like you drinking the poison, hoping the person who hurt you actually dies. Unwilling to forgive someone who doesn't even know they've hurt you is unbiblical. Being unwilling to forgive someone who may not ask you for forgiveness, that's unbiblical. Having an unforgiving spirit towards someone who's not even a follower of Jesus Christ is unbiblical. And I want to live biblically. And I believe you want to live biblically. And since I've been set free from sin, I need to make sure that I set other people free from sin. And I've wrestled with it over the years as a pastor. I I sometimes have found myself wanting somebody to be punished. I I found myself wanting someone to to pay for what happened to me to hurt the way I've been hurt. I'll tell you a story that I don't know I've ever shared in a sermon. It's a a story from the the days that I was a student at, at Southwestern Seminary. Before the days of email, I was a student at Southwestern Seminary. Judy and I had finished up the semester, went back to visit family, returned home, and they used to put things in envelopes with stamps on them that you had to open. That was called mail. That's how we got our grades. When we got home, I I got the mail and I started going through the mail looking for my grades from Southwestern. When I got it, I opened it and then the study of the book of Acts, I had an I. I thought incomplete. What did I forget? That was always my fear when I was in seminary, that I'd registered for a class that I forgot about. <laughs> Have you ever had that? that? You know, at the end of the semester, I've got an F because I never went. It's going drive me crazy. I, what did I miss? And Judy's checking the messages on the answering machine. You, Does anybody know what an answer besides you? Uh, Answering machine is? We used to have this little box that's set by the phone. You hooked your phone into it. She's playing the messages and one was from Dr. Brooks who taught that class and the message was, please call me immediately. Well, I, I called his office and it's summertime. You know what, well, I won't tell you what professors do in the summer, but there, I couldn't get him. I'm like, no. I was going nuts. Finally, he returns my call, and he says, everything's been resolved. I've reissued your grade, and it'll be returned. So I I asked because I'm curious by nature, or maybe I should just be honest again. I'm type A, quad A by nature. I said, please tell me what happened. Here's the story. When the grader was going through the test, he noticed that I had an answer that was almost word for word with another student's answer in the class. And it was one of those questions that, I mean, I had no clue. Absolutely no clue. So I made up something looking for grace, which I did not get. And evidently the young man next to me was copying the entire process. When they could not reach me, they brought him in. And at first he said that we studied together. And then finally thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how it is at Southeastern, but at Southwestern, if you cheated on a test, you could be dismissed from seminary. So thankfully he confessed, there was some grace, and that's not the end of the story because first chapel next semester, this is the second chapel, right? I was scared when I saw 10.30 on the program because I thought chapel was from 10 to 11, which would give me two minutes per sermon, which you would probably mm-hmm. enjoy. First chapel, fall semester, I sit down, the room's a little bit larger than this. Guess who comes and sits in the chair right in front of me? I didn't want to deal with the hurt. In fact, I wanted to reach up and just, it's just us, it's just, y'all not filming this are you? Oh man, forgot, oh well. And, And that's a picture and it has been for me for years where i was and where the speaker was telling me about the grace of god giving me the truth of god giving me the information the encouragement that i needed was the person who hurt me it was a barrier between me and where i needed to be me and what i needed to hear so i knew i had to forgive him and we had that time in chapel right before we sang he knew i was right behind him he saw me when he sat down and he stood up and he said, hey man, I'm sorry. I said, you should be. No, I said, (laughs) I said, I, I forgive you because see, I believe in the power of the atonement. I believe the biblical truth of redemption and, and, and I realize in that moment and I've taken it with me for almost 30 years of ministry someone already hurt someone already paid the price and that someone is that sinless son of God that we just sang about Jesus hurt for the sin of the world mine, yours and that young man you see had I not let go of that back then that would have set my heart toward bitterness. But since I've been set free, how could I not set him free? Forgiveness, it it, it starts in my heart. It, it, It sets the person who hurt me free. And yeah, I know there are always consequences with sin. I get that. Leave that to God and know this. If he needs your input or help, he actually knows how to find you. You you leave the consequences of sin to God. Something else Paul wrote to the believers at Rome, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, as far as it's possible, as long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Some people you can't live at peace with. I get that, I know that. Make sure you're not one of those people. And although you can't live at peace with all men, you can live in a spirit of forgiveness with everybody. And while I'm on this, Be wise with your words to your spouse. Judy, (laughs) that's one. Judy knows some things, but she doesn't know everything. She she has to worship with some of those people who have hurt her husband. She, She worships with people who hurt the father of her children. So men, be, be careful what you share with your wives, ladies, be, be careful what you share with your husband. And for those of us who have children, be careful what your children hear from you. We, we did everything that we could to protect our children from hurt in ministry. Our oldest is finishing up seminary in New Orleans, sorry. Finishing up seminary in New Orleans. She exceeded the admission requirements here. That's another story. Just kidding. <laughs> Our youngest, some of you like, what did he say? They turned the cameras off, too bad. Our youngest is in ministry, Second Baptist Houston. We protected them. We protected them from the hurt ministry. We knew we had to do that. Third thing about forgiveness, I just want to mention briefly. It's, it's actually part of the sanctification process. I'm I'm learning this. I'm still in the journey. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I was sharing a story of of how someone had done something to me and hurt. and the person that I was sharing with said, you know what, God's using that for your sanctification. I immediately ended the conversation and the friendship done. But you know, they were right. Because every painful story has the potential to bring God glory. Don't ever lose sight of your relationship with God, and don't ever lose sight of the big picture. Every person who's ever hurt you, who's ever hurt me, is going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. There is no third option. It is unbiblical to be bitter, to be unforgiving. Toward people who may not know Jesus personally. Back to Ephesians 4.32. Everything that I've said up until this point is actually the introduction to the sermon. The sermon's pretty short. There have never been any bad short sermons. Be kind to one another. That, you, you know this that's an imperative it, it, it's a command an imperative is an absolute command that requires full obedience it's present tense that, that's just to be kind to one another is a simple statement of fact it, it doesn't have to do with our feelings it's something that has to happen in our heart and it has to happen in our heart right now feelings will be changed by the grace of God and, and, and I've had to practice this. As a pastor over the years, I've had to dismiss staff members. Staff members who were not necessarily honest with their wives or their friends. Yet I had to be kind. I have discipled men who have lied to me, I've discipled men who've walked away from the church that I pastor. It's hurt. But the imperative for me and the being becomes before the doing. The being is be kind. Be kind. You can't do that alone. It takes Jesus. It takes a a maturing Christian speaking truth into your life, refusing you to get by with that, oh, I'm fine lie. Might even take a biblical counselor to walk through this with you. You can't do forgiveness alone. Alone is what bitterness does and alone is always vulnerable. Be kind. And here's what we're supposed to do, forgiving each other. Now forgiving each other is not fixing each other. Please do not overwrite that verse. Wherever you go to serve, for those of you who are preparing for ministry in a local church, please don't go to a local church thinking, I'm going to fix this church. You can't fix a church. You're supposed to love the church. That's what Jesus does. He loves the church. And those of us who are parents, you can't fix your kids. It's not your job to fix your kids. And those of you who have challenges with your parents, Less than a month ago, I had the privilege of doing my mother's funeral. My mom battled dementia and Alzheimer's for almost five years. When she was called home to heaven, I can't tell you how much of a celebratory moment that was for me. It, it was not my job to fix my mom, and I, I praise God. I didn't have a, a mom who tried to fix me. She loved me. She prayed for me, and I gave her so much as far as opportunities were to pray but I had a mom who just loved Jesus and loved her son just the way he was. Don't don't try to fix your parents. Professors, listen, don't try to fix these students. Now you can fail them. That's one of the good things about being a professor. You can fail the students, but don't try to fix them. We're, We're to be kind to one another. And we are, according to what Paul wrote, to forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I met Jesus personally over 45 years ago. And when I met Jesus personally, Jesus forgave me initially. He forgives me continually. He has forgiven me completely, and he will forgive me eternally. That is the power of the cross. I possess that by faith. That's why I trust Jesus when it comes to this issue of forgiveness. Do you? I mean, really, do you trust Jesus when it comes to the issue of forgiveness? Every person who's ever hurt you, me, or another person, intentionally or unintentionally, whether or not you ever hear the words, I'm sorry, needs forgiveness. And please don't forget, before something is done against you, sin is first and foremost always against God. Our education pastor who is a graduate of Southeastern was taking us through a study of Matthew 6 in our staff meeting some time back, and I appreciate what Dan said about Matthew 6, talking about forgiveness. He said one of the most important words in Matthew 6 where Jesus encouraged us to forgive is that word as, and it all shows up in Ephesians 4.32. Forgive each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. We started out by saying as followers of Jesus Christ, we're all forgiven. So let me ask you as a follower of Jesus Christ, be a good forgiver. While you're here at Southeastern, and learn Greek, learn Hebrew. Enjoy your classes on hermeneutics and systematic theology. (laughs) You owe me. Go to the missions gathering tomorrow. See what the Holy Spirit has to say to your heart. And when Dr. Moeller is here Thursday, you'll be challenged intellectually. You'll be challenged spiritually. But what I wanna challenge you to do today is forgive. Just forgive. I love what I see all over this campus with those little go signs. I, I, I love that I am going.com website. I love that. And you know that blank on those little circular signs that says, I am going to, would you just maybe add the word on that bottom line, forgive? Wherever you go. Whatever God does through your life in ministry, live your life for the glory of God. And wherever you go, Southeastern, forgive. Father, thank you so much for the forgiveness that we have in the person and work of Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, I pray we will be forgivers. God for those here today who have listened to the lies of the adversary, may your spirit remove the lie and replace with truth. That starts deep down inside, sets other people free and moves us down the road in that sanctification process. God, for that one person who is here today who needs to set someone free, I pray they forgive now, in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies,